0: The Thing and Quasar. to FW Team Up, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. And I'm Gene Hendricks. Taking you through a classic superhero team up, The Thing and Quasar from Marvel 2N1 number 73, cover dated March 1981, The Pipeline Through Infinity. And Gene, you like Quasar enough to have a whole podcast dedicated to him.
1: Yeah, unfortunately it doesn't come out as often as we would like, but Quasar is a very interesting character, as I'm hoping that this episode will prove.
0: Or as I used to call him, a Marvel boy, I think. Is that the same character?
1: Yeah, uh, depends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, back in the 50s, there was a character named Marvel boy. Right. He had the Uranian energy bands, which Quasar has.
0: And a costume very similar. Yes, and he came back as the Crusader in the Fantastic Four and then promptly blew up. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll talk about the uh, the publication history of Quasar a little later. Uh, In each episode of FW Team Up, one panelist picks one character to defend. So in this case, Gene, is it going to be Quasar? It's going to be Quasar. All right, so I will take Ben Grimm, the thing, and I'm happy to. As is customary, we preface with a reason or reasons why we like the character we've chosen or been assigned. In my case, Gene. Okay. What's so great about Quasar?
1: Well, Quasar, unlike pretty much any other superhero is us. He is the geek reader. In fact, if you look in Quasar issue number one, there's a picture of his childhood bedroom as mother's house. He's got a Captain America poster on the wall. He's got an Avengers poster on the wall. He's got a telescope, and he's got a microscope. Plus, he doesn't have any powers. He's got the quantum bands. He's not a jet test pilot. He's not a Kryptonian. He hasn't trained his body to the peak of human potential. He's a guy. Yes, he went through S.H.I.E.L.D. training, but he washed out of S.H.I.E.L.D. training. They told him, you can't be a field agent. So he he is as close to a reader point of view character as you'll get as a superhero. And it's great because you can see yourself in him. Like when he meets Captain America, not just the first time, any time he meets Captain America, he goes fanboy. He gets very stiff. It's like he's... Starstruck. Yeah, if you were meeting Avery Brooks, it it would... you know, how would you act? You would be really nervous. You'd want to say the exact right thing. You'd be you'd be worrying that, you know, that anything that came out of your mouth would uh, make this guy hate you. And that's that's Quasar.
0: <laughs> Normal guy, but he does have these giant arms. He's still buff. He is.
1: Uh Like I said, he went through shield training. But one of the interesting things is as you watch his own series progress, he gets less and less buff. Because he's relying on the quantum bands all the time, he's not working
0: out. Because I, I do have most of that series in my collection, but I haven't gone to it in in years, uh, if not decades. So, oh, that's an interesting wrinkle. Wow. Yeah, it's not like Ted Cord. He doesn't gain weight.
1: He just becomes, you know, less defined. Right. Okay. That's cool. So how about the thing?
0: I know you had to take him, but you sounded very uh, very pleased with the prospect of it. Well, you know, who doesn't like Ben Grimm? Uh, So, you know, he's going to come up fairly often, so I'll I'll just pick one element every time I have to cover him. And and this time I I just want to talk a bit about the, you know, the Marvel 2-in-1 setup itself, because... You've got Ben Grimm with the Fantastic Four. That's one part of his personality. But when he's in 2 and one there, there's something interesting that happens, is how you get him into these stories. And very often, the stories start with some sort of strange stunt or experiment. Ben Grimm is the guinea pig. To the invulnerable guinea pig that people call on to just jump into a volcano, you know, that, that kind of thing. So a, a lot of the, especially early on, the, the issues start with this crazy stunt that Ben Grimm can't believe he agreed to. And because he's so much invulnerable, you know, he's, he's going to be fine, presumably. And then it gets mm. him into a situation. So just these crazy starts to issues. And even this issue that we're going to cover has a strange, beginning the, the the splash page begins with some sort of crazy we'll, we'll get to it but you know it starts with something crazy and Ben Grimm is always starting his stories basically jumping off the moon you know it's it's always something like that so it's something I enjoy about the character that he's always putting himself in situations that he <laughs> can't believe he said yes to this <laughs> that, that's him in a nutshell
1: yeah it's it's interesting and just the fact that he started out that way yeah, I mean, Fantastic yeah. Four number one. It, he was bullied into being the pilot by Sue, of all people.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's always been him. That's always been the you know the guy that the, the, oh, okay he's gonna go along with it, but it's a very bad idea. Uh, and he winds up becoming a, a mud monster for it. Ben Grimm needs no introduction, uh, but let's talk about Quasar's publication history. Uh, you know, I, he had his own series, uh, you know, in the 80s, but um, I think a lot of people today don't necessarily know who he is. So, Gene, can you help us out with this? Yes, I can. Um, Wendell
1: Vaughn premiered in the pages of Captain America number 217 in January 1978, so only three years prior to the issue we're covering. Uh, he was a member of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Super Agents and went under the name of Marvel Man. Originally, I think uh, for one panel or something, he was Marvel Boy, then changed it to Marvel Man. And he kept that name in his appearances in Captain America 218, 228, 229, and 230, plus three issues of the Defenders, 62, 63, 64. And then he started out as a guest spot in The Incredible Hulk number 332 as Marvel Man. But, after some kids laughed at that name in Hulk 233, he decided to change it to Quasar in Hulk 234. From there, he became the head of security for Project Pegasus, where he was in Marvel 2-in-1 issues 53-58, through 58, the infamous Project Pegasus saga. He made brief appearances, uh, well, really, just his forearm in Fantastic Four Annual number 14. Then he had lunch with a thing and Giant Man in Marvel 2-in-1 number 67, and that leads us up to this appearance. After this, he attended the Fantastic Four Christmas party in the next issue of Marvel 2-in-1. Dazzler came to visit Project Pegasus in her series, and then he took the stand in her defense, also in her series. Uh, He met Spider-Man in Marvel Team-Up number 113, where Lightmaster actually took over the Quantum Bands. There's a brief interlude in Marvel 2-in-1 number 81, where Quasar finds a collapsed giant man, uh, that would be the Bill Foster giant man. He makes a brief cameos in the Contest of Champions in Dazzler number 21, and then he teams up with Spider-Man, Scarlet Witch, Doctor Strange, and The Thing to battle the Serpent Crown in Marvel Team-Up Annual number 5. Finally, he's seen helping celebrate the Pardoned Hulk in The Incredible Hulk number 279. Then, Quasar is not seen for six years, until the premiere of his own title in 1989. This year also sees him joining the Avengers, and the beginning of crossovers galore. <laughs> Quasar series lasted for 60 issues, after which he was a guest star in a number of books, including The Silver Surfer, The Avengers, and The Guardians of the Galaxy. Wendell Vaughn was last seen in a flashback in Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 4, Number 16, in 2017. So, still around. Still around, yeah. Uh, he is not Quasar anymore. That title and the Quantum Bands has passed to uh, another holder, uh, Phyllis Vel. But Wendell Vaughn is still around, and he's helping out
0: where he can. Yes, and, you know, 60 issues, that's five years. Uh, it, it's not, you know, not non-negligible as far as a series goes. And I guess he's such, I mean, the, he's appeared in Marvel 2 and 1 enough that, you know, he was almost kind of, really a recurring star. So we're looking at him here, one of his last appearances, but for a while there, uh, I I know there's another uh, The Thing in Quasar issue that Quasar doesn't appear all that much in, but because it's part of that Project Pegasus story. That was actually the first meeting
1: of Quasar and The
0: Thing, Uh, and
1: that's the one where you get your, oh, that's the Crusader back from the dead. I must fight him, and the whole misunderstanding bit. But then, yeah, Quasar, that entire arc, he's a background character in Marvel 2 and one So, yeah, he he was a recurring subplot character, I would say, for a couple years, really.
0: Yeah, like uh, Wondar was also, like, the Aquarian was also Mm -hmm. um, sort of a recurring guest star for, for Ben Grimm. Okay, let's look at the issue itself. Pipeline Through Infinity by writer Ralph Macchio, artists Ron Wilson and Chick Stone, letterer John Costanza, colorist George Russos, and editors Jim Salikirp. Floating in the space between worlds, Ben Grimm, The Thing, mightiest member of the world's greatest supergroup, the Fantastic Four, and Wendell Vaughn, Quasar security chief of the Department of Energy's special research facility, Project Pegasus. And then just as suddenly they find themselves in a swamp, with no idea how they got there. Their thoughts go back to mere moments ago when Ben went down into the tunnels beneath Manhattan with Quasar to find the saboteurs who plagued Project Pegasus when he worked there with the kid. They found them, but were soon projected to another world by a strange beam. The two heroes come through the trees to a cliff
1: and find a bunch of oil wells with dinosaurs being used for labor. Ben jokes about how, if this were a movie, they'd be attacked for seeing something they weren't supposed to.
0: Right on cue, three flying vehicles swing around and attack the duo. The blue-eyed thing rips a tree from its roots and cuts a skimmer in half. Its crew goes flying.
1: Quasar uses his quantum bands to create a blinding light, which causes one of the skimmers to break off its attack. Another drops a net on the Cosmic Avenger, but he makes short
0: work of it and is free again. Another skimmer releases a gas that makes Ben Grimm feel dizzy, but he won't let himself pass out, not when Quasar is hit by weapon fire. He launches himself at the skimmer and shatters its engine mounts with a mighty blow. Its crew ejects just as their ship crashes and Ben is finally rendered unconscious. Quasar is able to crawl into the underbrush, where he collapses from his wound. Skimmer 3 grabs the thing
1: and flies it to the oil platform's watchtower. As several Neanderthal-like beings find Quasar and, putting him on a stretcher, take him to their village. Quasar wakes in the hut of Chief Tona, who explains what's going on. Years ago, beings came through holes in the sky to get to the oil in their world. They enslave Tona's people, teaching them just enough to make them viable workers, which includes English. Now the slaves are preparing an uprising where they will take their dinosaur legion and attack the oil field. Tona wants Quasar, who has shown such amazing powers, to lead them in the attack. As he's deciding, a skimmer comes to the village. The dinosaurs are scattered into the forest before they can be seen and the skimmer lands. The soldiers inside are looking for Quasar and try to beat the information out of the villagers. No one snitches on our hero, so the skimmer leaves. This makes Quasar's decision easy. He will lead the attack.
0: At the Watchtower, a captive Ben Grimm is forced to listen to the mercenaries' leader, Bennett Pittman, explain what's going on. He's a trusted and driven employee of Roxxon Oil, in charge of an interdimensional drilling project. They've come to this world to tap its resources, sending the Crude back to Earth via a pipeline hooked up to portals working on the same principle as the nth projector that brought the Thing and Quasar to this primeval world. Pittman offers Ben a job, but of course he refuses. Just then, the Roxxon men go to the window aghast. Quasar is flying in, leading the
1: villagers on their dinosaurs. While the T-Rexes and Triceratops take care of the oil derricks, Pterodactyls and Quasar take care of the skimmers. During the fight, Quasar notes the control tower looks different enough that it might be the command center, so he heads
0: up to it and the prisoner it contains. The Thing breaks from his bonds, and the Roxxon army men find out their guns are useless against him no matter how many dinosaurs they've shot down. Quasar then bursts in through the window and blinds the gunman. Pitman decides this would be a good time to exit stage left and make a run for it, with the Thing and Quasar in hot pursuit. The heroes head for the Nth projector and arrive just in time to see Pitman disappear. When they try to escape the same way, it disappears too. What a revolt development.
1: Back at Nth Command, Pittman is being chewed out for his loss of the facility and, nearly, the Nth Projector. He is confident that there is no way the heroes can get back, so there's nothing to worry about. Famous last words. Quasar and the thing make a hasty exit from the command center, as the natives are now attacking it. Quasar flies them down to the ground, where Chief Tona happily greets them. The day is won and the oil fields are wrecked. Ben notices that the pumping station is still intact, and that gives Quasar an idea. The thing shuts off the flow of oil, while Quasar uses the computer terminal to reposition the nth projectors on the pipes from their receivers on Earth to inside of nth command. Ben turns the flow back on, they open a hatch and dive in contained in a quantum
0: bubble. They go with the flow and pop out in the flooded Nth Command. Surfing the oil currents on a platform made of solid light, Ben puts his fists through nearby machinery to create debris for the Nth Project employees to grab onto. He spots Pittman, letting himself get smothered in Crude, a defeated man who, for the first time in his life, has failed. Meanwhile, Quasar has captured all of the Roxen workers in an energy cage. While Ben wraps the others he's found in scrap metal. Pitman is still out of reach, though, but just as he's essentially about to commit suicide, Ben grabs him by the collar and pulls him out. He doesn't put up a fight. Then the oil finally stops coming, and this Roxxon operation, at least, is destroyed. Quasar may think no one at Roxxon itself will face justice, but Ben vows they will.
1: That was a nice self-contained
0: story. (laughs) It was, Yeah, especially considering the the other (laughs) Quasar uh, team-ups where, you know, it was more of a sprawling saga. Uh, But this is really sort of the end of that saga, you know, the delayed end of that story, because they go after the people that bothered them so much in the earlier arc. Am I right?
1: Yes. uh, Roxen, it turns out, was behind the attacks on Project Pegasus, which is the whole impetus for Quasar getting the thing involved in this in the first place. So so what did you think of the issue? I enjoyed it. In today's... Age, it's nice to have a one and done. You know? You read it and the four panel flashback makes you think, oh, well, this must have started last issue. Well, it didn't. It was completely in this issue. They just threw that in to say, hey, well, this is how we got here. You know, starting in Meteor Res, essentially. But it showcases you know the thing's humor, the fact that Quasar's a bit dry. (laughs) And when he He uh, tries to make jokes, Ben says, "Eh, leave the jokes to
0: me, Junior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, you know, the thing is, is of course, is the lippy one usually is. I thought it was fun that he made a sort of a pop culture comment of the day, Uh, but it it, it doesn't date because he makes a joke about Yoda when they find themselves on the swamp. You know, he makes a reference to Yoda because Empire Strikes Back had come out, you know, like a year before within the year. So that's cute. And unlike other pop culture references, yeah, that's still current. That's still understandable today. <laughs> yes.
1: And it helped that Marvel was publishing Star mm-hmm. Wars then and now.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised there's no asterisk saying, the editor telling us to read Star Wars as well. There, there's none of that. I'm surprised. And, <laughs> you know, Ben, has, you can tell that these guys have a already a chemistry. You know, they've worked together before. And Ben is very protective of the younger hero. I think that's a bit of the... What the dynamic is here. Of course, they don't need to fight at the beginning, uh, in the mighty Marvel manner, uh, because, uh, you know, that's been done. That's already been done. But now Ben is very protective of him. And yet I think Quasar, you know, <laughs> is the true hero of this tale is the one that has all the ideas and most of the motivation and all, you know, more of the cool moments belong to Quasar. I think that's, that's a fact of in the Project Pegasus. Saga Quasar,
1: he had his moments, but he was largely ineffectual. I mean, he was the security chief of the project, but Deathlock infiltrated it, and then Claw escaped, and all this stuff goes on, and he couldn't stop it without the things and Giant Man's help. So this is more or less a redemption of that. It's a, hey, you know, he is actually an effective hero, (laughs) Let's leave him in, in charge of security. He he's okay.
0: it is, uh, I, I'm looking at the art right now, and uh, is that something that uh, you know Quasar kept on doing? Uh, that is to say, the way he shoots his beams, because it's not you know the, the beams don't cover his hands. He's not shooting out of his hands as you might expect of a blaster hero. He's showing his wrists, and they're coming out at a 90 degree a- angle from the negabands. Uh, I, I'm saying Negavans, that's it's wrong, right? The Quantum Mance. Quantum Man. Yeah. yeah. Well, um,
1: back then, and the reason he's called his name is Quasar, is before uh, Mark Ruinwald got a hold of the character, he was pulling energy from Quasars out in space. So essentially what he was doing is he was shooting the beams out of the gems. So it wouldn't envelop his hands, he would just hold his wrist up and shoot out one of the gems. That's how it was... I would say until '89, really, when he became closer to a Green Lantern analog, where he wasn't pulling light energy from quasars, he was tapping into the uh, the quantum force and manipulating that and creating solid light projections.
0: It's very distinctive
1: the way he does it here, yeah. Especially the one on page five, where he's he's got this this hero shot with his arms flexed up and he's shooting. Beams in two different directions in a a very Jack Kirby like pose, really. In fact, a lot of the art in this has a very Kirby feel, right down to the the natives, where you can see Kirby drawing that like in a Fantastic Four or in a Fourth World kind of situation. You know that. They have that um, that square face that
0: he, w- he was always really good at drawing. It also kind of evokes Devil Dinosaurs. I'm kind of surprised that this, you know, when, when they get there and not sure where they got to, I thought, oh, is this whatever world Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy live in? Mm. As far as we know, it's not. But, um, you know, if this were to flow into another team-up, I think Devil Dinosaur would have been next. That could have worked. Yes,
1: that would have worked, yeah. I think, you know, one of the the only things about the ending of this, which I like, I like how, hey, no one's dying, here we are, we have the main bad guy, is, you know, Quasar's thinking to himself, you know, these oil companies, they got lawyered up, they're, uh, they have shell companies and everything, and Ben's like, nah, we'll take them down, don't worry about it. Ben has been around corporations before,
0: hasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Did they ever take down, um... Well, I guess you can't take down Roxxon entirely. Uh, no, know, they've always been around as a, you know, power players, behind the scenes power players very often. Uh, yeah. I, what I really like about this comic it is, is that it is what I call pure comics and by pure comics I, and the Kirby DNA is certainly part of that, but mm. pure comics is a story that is so crazy. You would never do it in another medium because it's a little right. bit too insane. There wouldn't be a movie of this where. Because, it, I mean, you know, it's got your rocks on oil, you know, you got your oil company drilling in other dimensions and subjugating people who ride dinosaurs <laughs> as, you know, as routine. Uh, so our heroes are riding dinosaurs, and then eventually they escape that world by going through a an oil pipe and flooding the other. I mean... That's this is just insane. Insane stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's
0: it's Bronze Age Marvel at its finest. That's that's all I can really say about it. <laughs> Yeah, this is the sort of stuff that, you know, that's why you want to read comics. It's, <laughs> there's no, uh, it doesn't have to be realistic. It's like, how do I, we put these elements together? And, mm-hmm. uh, to me, this was, this was great fun. Twist my rubber arm. There's dinosaurs on the cover. And it's like gorillas or, uh, you know, there, there are some elements of, you know, very pure comics like dinosaurs. I'm sure that story's fun, you know, if there's dinosaurs in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly what this is. It is a fun read you're
1: smiling at the end of it it is a hefty comic too I mean it's it's a standard length comic but there is a lot of story in here you know today this would be like
0: a three issue arc at least it's very wordy I thought it was like the the writing is old-fashioned in that way where mm. we're being told what we're also seeing so that's you know not necessary but very much uh, the style of the day mm-hmm. but as far as you know, plot developments things that happen. It's very uh, there's a lot of incident in this a lot. Yeah, I mean, we get the entire backstory of
1: why Roxon's here, how they're accomplishing what's going on, where the natives are come into it, the uprising, the demolition of Roxon, uh, the Nth projectors getting completely destroyed so they can't ever do this again. Wow, <laughs> there's a lot here. When I finally picked this up, which was a couple years ago, and I read through it. I was just like, wow, this is some great stuff. Why didn't I see this before?
0: Well, who fared better? Every, uh, every show, we do a little mini debate touching on various topics to see which character is, was actually best served by the story. So first, how well does this fit each of the characters' stories' atmospheres? Is this more of a thing comic Or is it more of a Quasar story? Ah, Well, like you you touched on before, it
1: is really more of a Quasar story and the things along for the ride. Quasar is the one that moves everything along. Uh, Thing has some good moments, no doubt about it. But he is more a passive force in this and Quasar is more active.
0: I completely agree. I mean, this is it's Project Pegasus, uh, which is Quasar's. Uh, base of operations. It's about that story. So it becomes about him. It's his enemies. And yeah, the thing is sort of his bodyguard in this, let's say. Yeah, pretty much. So cool moves. That's our next category. What is the coolest move that uh, Quasar pulls, in your opinion? I
1: gotta say, it's when he crashes through the window in the command center And then blinds the gunmen who are firing on the thing. It's just the,
0: uh, here I come to save the day moment of of the whole book. For the thing, I think it's like crashing the skimmer, uh, where Mm. he's he's passing out from the gas. Uh, he's afraid that Quasar's going to get hurt. So he can't pass out at this point. He jumps the, I mean, he jumps the ship, crashes the ship. The guys escape and he passes out finally, but it is sort of that you know bravery uh that the thing has where he doesn't think of the consequences basically because he's invulnerable he can do that crash a ship although i gotta say uh you had you know the lion's share of cool moves in this you know it's, it's quasar who stampies the dinosaurs <laughs> yeah. i mean that's yeah and writing the the crude oil pipe and i mean it, it's it's all him in, in those yeah. moments. Yeah, it,
1: it was tough to narrow down, I'll tell you that much.
0: But what about dumb or weird moves? This often <clears throat> happens. What is Quasar's strangest uh, or dumbest move? I don't know if it counts as a move or, so
1: much as back to when just before the thing crushes the skimmer. The reason he's doing that is because Quasar got hit with one shot and is taken down. Now, this is a way story-wise for them to separate the two and oh the heroes hurt let the neanderthals take him back but considering everything else we've seen in this comic one shot takes down quasar that that's no i can't i can't buy it i'm sorry one punch (laughs) you're gonna put that sound effect in i I
0: guess i guess (laughs) <laughs> Trademark, uh, Shaq Matthews. Okay, so, yeah, that often happens. Sometimes the heroes get nerfed just so everybody gets something to do. Although it's, it's a minor example compared to some team-ups I've read. For the thing, I think it's his naivete at the end. You know, the, the, the idea that, because he doesn't really, he doesn't have any bad moves, uh, per se. Neither does Quasar. This is a very strong story for both of them. But, uh, at the end, when he thinks that he can take down Roxxon, don't worry, kid. You <laughs> know, we'll take down Roxxon. <laughs> Yeah, uh that is a a naive outlook for the thing, it was more of a cynical character very often. You know, he's more of a the glass is half empty for, for the thing very often. Uh mm-hmm. so so this is a surprising point of view for him. Oh, well, maybe Quasar's rubbing off on him. I don't know. And and Quasar's the cynical one in this Yeah, that's
1: that's what's weird, because Quasar's normally the uh... I mean, yeah, he gets down on himself a lot, but normally he's the, the can-do, you know, let's go take on this world-ending threat kind of guy. Yeah, you know, this is, it's a
0: weird flip-flop of the personalities. So it is the weird move, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the friendly farewell. I mean, most team-ups end with a farewell of sorts. You want the heroes to have that final moment where they acknowledge they worked together, they had an adventure, whatever. Uh, how do we rate this farewell?
1: I think it's pretty high, because the last panel is the hero shot. The thing is holding up Pitman by the scruff of the neck, and Quasar's there, you know, hands on his hips, broad chest, ready to take it on. We got the uh, the glow of the Nth projectors in the background, so it looks like they're standing in front of the sunset. It's, I
0: think this is up there. I mean, these guys are friends. They've been friends for a while, so this is hardly their first farewell, and it's, it's only a uh, see you later because Quasar will reappear in a Marvel 2-in-1 after this.
1: He's actually in the very next issue of Marvel 2-in-1, which
0: is The uh, the Thing and the Puppet Master. Co-starring um, no one, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There's, it's just like the Christmas issue.
1: Right, yeah. And yeah. Quasar, is one, he is one of the
0: guests invited to the Christmas party. Yeah, a good friend <laughs> of The Thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll take a break for a couple of promos. Uh, then we'll be back with our final bits of business. Coming soon from Amalgam Comics. When astronaut Ben Grimm
1: and S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Wendell Vaughn smash their Quantic Bracelets together, dark stellar matter rushes towards them and they become Pulsar. The hero defends the super-secret Project Fantastic from enemy agents. In this month's Pulsar, the frightful Revengers return, and this time, they will get what they seek. Don't miss it. Hey, Jean. We should do a podcast. Sounds like a great idea, Jeff. But what will we talk about? How about a superhero that we both love? Perfect. Someone like Thor or Captain America? Uh, both great choices,
0: but um, I think they're being covered by somebody else already.
1: Wait, I've got it. What about the Protector of the Universe? Like Voltron? No, no, no. The guy with the jewelry that lets him create whatever he wants. Ah, Green Lantern, nice! Close? No, this guy is Cosmic Awareness. Captain Marvel? Almost. I mean, Quasar! Ah, Quasar. Who doesn't love a good Quasar? Tune in to the Quantum Cast, covering all things Quasar. Yes, that's right. You can find us at quantumbands.blogspot.com. And on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.
0: Yeah, that, that didn't sound scripted at all, did it? We're back, and uh, one last feature that we like to do is the bonus team-up, in which each of us will propose a perfect Quasar team-up. So, Gene, what have you got? I'm going to go cross-company
1: here, and I'm going to say Quasar and Superman. Now, Quasar, as I said before, is a superhero fanboy. And when he meets Cap, he's, he's just over the moon, really. So... One, I'd love to see his reaction to meeting the premier superhero, the first among equals Superman. And I can <laughs> I can just picture it in my head. Quasar is going all over himself, you know, almost asking for an autograph, and Superman says, Hey, hey, come on. We're on the same team here. Calm down. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> uh but then also it, it helps because Quasar as we learn in his series, is he he is the protector of the universe. So he is, he is on the Superman level as far as power goes. Just picture this. We have Superman and Quasar taking on the forces of Apocalypse.
0: That's one epic storyline right there. That would be a fun, uh, although unlikely <laughs> at, at this yeah, point. Very unlikely. Uh, very unlikely uh, DC-Marvel team-up. For me, I would go with, maybe it's a little... On the nose, I guess. But Quasar and Captain Marvel, or Mar-Vell, the original Captain Marvel. Not the original Captain Marvel, but, you know, the third Captain Marvel, which would be Marvel's first Captain Marvel. We understand each other. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, the connection is that they both wear super sci-fi bracelets. So in my story, uh, they would, maybe they'd bang one another's uh, bling together. I mean, the bracelets. And uh, that would have unforeseen effects. Perhaps they would be sent to the corner of the galaxy where Quasar's, Quasar, are is uh where they would face thanos or somebody uh about to extinguish themselves uh, some stars you know you get some super powerful villain who is maybe threatening that one quasar that uh, quasar uses to power his his bands there are two cosmic marvel heroes coming together uh in a story that can not happen basically because one of the characters is dead i guess
1: yeah dead and one of the dead guys that will not be coming back apparently but it's also interesting because in Quasars series, I keep going back to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no. no, no. Uh, you you learn that the previous protector of the universe was supposed to be Marvel, but the the quantum bands were essentially taken by the the Titans of Uranus and given to. Bob Grayson, who became Marvel Boy. So the Nega bands were like second prize. It would be really interesting, especially since Quasar has heard about Marvel and everything, if somebody gets the Infinity Gauntlet, brings Marvel back to life, having that interaction between the two, because Marvel has got the experience. He's been a Cree soldier. He's been a superhero. He's had a lot of interaction. He's fought Thanos. Quasar has run up against Thanos, in fact, in the original Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Once Thanos got the Infinity Gauntlet, his first point of call was to get rid of the Silver Surfer. Then he went to get rid of Quasar. That's how high up the guy is. Uh So seeing those two interact and go up against the Mad Titan, I'd read that story.
0: I'm not even against it being a time travel story. Mm-hmm. If you're going to, you know, manipulate Quanta. anything could happen and then he goes back to and then we could explore that history uh of the champions of the universe kind of thing and two of them teaming up a bit like a you know like a multi-doctor doctor Doctor who story where the different champions get together you know throwing captain universe in there for fun uh well thanks for teaming up with me gene uh remind people where they can find you on these here internets
1: Alright, well, if you want to hear me talk more about Quasar, and who wouldn't really, yeah. uh, <laughs> you can find the Quantum Cast at twotruefreaks.com that's T-W-O-T-R-U-E F-R-E-A-K-S and unfortunately, uh, my buddy Adam Worth and I have a lot going on in our lives, so we haven't had a chance to put a new episode out in a while we do plan on coming back to it it's not pod faded, really <laughs> We will get back to it eventually. Uh, you can also hear my solo show, The Hammer Podcasts, and the show I do with Dr. Bill Robinson, Anime Freaks at Two True Freaks. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, etc., etc., etc. Now, if you want a more regular dose of my disjointed thoughts. You can look at thehammerstrikes.com every Thursday, where I have a new geeky post going up. could be anything from cartoon TV themes to role-playing to me blowing your mind with uh, Star Trek crossing with Norse mythology, which will be coming up. So look for that.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, and speaking of Norse mythology, you have to come back on the show sometime and do a Thor team-up. Oh, yes. I, I consider you... Our circle, our extended circles expert on such matters.
1: Well, that's just because I post weird cat pictures of Thor.
0: <laughs> coming, <laughs> coming soon to uh, Fire and Water as well. <laughs> um, all right. Well, a reminder that we do enjoy reading your comments, and that the best place for that is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also visit the Fire and Water Podcast Network facebook page or tag us on twitter using the hashtag fw podcasts uh, so see you next time for another amazing superhero team up because after all justice is a team effort quasars are clearly the most metal of all the space things